Rural hospitals are inherently community-oriented and are often the heart of their small towns. To best serve their patients, rural hospitals also make a concerted effort to respond to the unique health needs of their communities. So, how do rural hospitals understand and act on the most important and most prevalent health needs their patients face? With community input, actionable data, and regularly updating their plan. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hutchire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to Episode 48 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hotshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Director of Marketing and Development. So in rural health, we tend to have a very close relationship with our patients uh, and with our communities um, because we're always caring for our neighbors, we're always caring for our family, and we're always caring for our friends. It's very important. So the relationships are, are very close and they're meaningful. Today, we're talking to someone who drives the process to ensure that we're responding to the unique challenges of our own community here in Hillsdale when it comes to their important health. That's right. We have another return guest this week with John Robertson, Chief Quality Information and Technology Officer for Hillsdale Hospital. Welcome back to Rural Health Rising, John. Thank you very much, Rachel. John, for those who missed episode 34 when you were here last and are meeting you for the first time, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work here at Hillsdale Hospital? Well, first, uh, shame on them since they missed that episode. <laughs> yes, go it listen was, to it. Go uh, listen quite to a memorable it. It was, episode. It was, it was one of my favorite I play it often. I have to say. I play it often. Yeah, I do. I played on the way home. Yes, just me to too. hear myself me too. talk. Yes, I <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. Now, what was the question again? Yeah. Yes, right. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work here at Hillsdale Hospital. All right. Well, uh, I've been with Hillsdale Hospital about 11 years now. Time flies when you're having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I worked at Hillsdale Hospital, I actually worked in public health um, for about 20 years. I worked at the Calhoun County Health Department and then the Branch Hillsdale St. Joseph uh, Health Department. So quite a bit of... Um, Quite a bit of going on in public health, uh, mm-hmm. probably even more so now. So um, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm busier here or if I would have been I was busier say, there. That's hard I to think say you would have been busier yeah. there. Yeah, maybe. But it's it's been an interesting ride here. I've been in quality for ten years, and I actually took on information technology about a year ago. Our information technology officer left us. Uh, the early stages yeah. of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I can't blame her. Um, right. There were Why a lot not, of things right? going on. Yeah, if I'm an IT on. person, the last <laughs> thing I want to do is deal with a yeah. pandemic. So. Right. Yeah. Um, well, but, especially, John, if you consider what happened, you know, we we instantly, you know, went live with telemedicine. Mm-hmm. You know, we had never launched that really ever before. Right. And we had it going in days. We had we literally had days. days. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, days uh, in within just 24 hours. I remember launching the platform for uh, the patients to speak with their families mm-hmm. uh, for connectivity. So a tremendous amount of work had been done. So, uh, John, it's been great to have you on the team and especially leading um, our IT department. And really, that's not the first time you've led IT. I believe you had some IT experience in your previous uh, roles. Actually, in both of my previous roles, I was kind of the IT guy when I was at uh, Calhoun County, but that was back in the late 80s and 90s, so IT wasn't quite as expansive uh, as it is now. Blackberries and green bar paper, right? Uh, Green bar paper, most definitely, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. So now, John, that we've established who you are, let's start with the why. Um, Now, we do this on every episode, so we get to know and our guests get to know you just a little bit better. So, John, what is your why? What what motivates you? What gets you up out of bed in the morning? Well, um, primarily, I think it's in in what I do with quality. I mean, I know IT kind of gets you up in the morning, and there's lots of things out there, you know, 
phishing and all those things that, that folks are doing in the IT world. But a big piece of it for me is is on the quality side because quality doesn't just happen today. It happens every day. And you have to be looking out long term all of the time so that you can kind of keep ahead of the curve on some of the things that are happening with quality. Also, we're a small rural hospital, so we're going to see our patients at the grocery store and at the laundromat and at the ball game. And if a patient comes here and they have a good experience, they're going to tell, you know, at least two or three people that they know. But if they come here and have a bad experience, they're going to tell 10,000 people because it's going to be posted on their Facebook page. Uh, So it's a big deal. Um, It's a big deal for big hospitals, but I think it's a bigger deal for small rural hospitals because we all know each other. So we need to make sure that we are literally touching every patient every time in a quality way so that we make sure they have a great experience when they come to Hillsdale. The other piece I tell a lot of our um, our folks in orientation is there's 20 to 25 hospitals within 50 miles of here. So unless you're brought here in an ambulance, you have choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, true. And so we want people to make the choice that's comfortable for them, and we want to make sure that this choice was comfortable for them. You know, John, it's interesting, uh, and you and I have talked about this numerous times, we're not operating in the you know, early 1900s where transportation was the issue. You know, think about the the modern family today, three, four, five vehicles. Traveling 25 extra miles is really nothing for people. So we have to make sure that our product is superior. And I want to commend you for the work you've done in the area of quality. When you first came to Hillsdale, um, it needed some work, uh, some significant work, uh, brought our scores up, worked with our teams, created uh, really systems for the hospital, reporting mechanisms, accountability. I think that was very important. But uh, through it all, um, we have been able to establish a hospital that's high reliable uh, and that is uh, really focused on delivering excellent patient care. And we're, we've been able to successfully do that. Now, you know, one of the things that when we think about community hospitals, we think that they're community oriented. Well, they have to be. That's the purpose behind it, community. You know, but our responsibility to our community is more than just providing the services that we've always had. You know, we're going to offer this service because we've always done it. And what happens if we keep doing the same thing over and over again? Well, there's a definition for that. So we know that we have to understand the community's problems, their concerns, their ideas, and and what they may face. And so what would you say makes this process so important? Why is this important? Well, it's important for every hospital to kind of know their community and know what the needs are. But as you stated, uh, in rural health, it's it's even more critical. Um, if patients in a rural community go to a big hospital somewhere else for something that maybe they didn't need to go there for, they may not come back to that small community hospital. And since you have such a small market, you need to make sure that you're serving and servicing your patients with everything that you can to keep them close to home. Because while traveling is not a huge issue, for some folks, it is a much bigger issue it than is. it would be if you lived in Detroit or yeah. Grand Rapids. Yeah. You could hop on a bus and just and get where you need to go. Uh, there's very little bus here, um, if you will. So um, it, it's important that we know what we can provide and what we can provide well. We don't want to provide... 100 services kind of slipshot, we want to provide 40 services and do them very well so that people know, I need this particular service, I'm going to go to Hillsdale. So fair to say that we're probably not going to be doing brain surgery anytime soon. I don't think so. Or heart surgery. But (laughs) what we do, we want to make sure it's done very well. So it's a great point, John. Well, and the the community health needs assessment is the process of understanding 
what are those health-related problems or issues facing our community so that we can make decisions based on that. But it's not just what services do we have or not have or what do you think about the hospital. It's what are the actual health needs that people living here have. So tell us more about that community health needs assessment. Why do we do it? Why do we do it the way that we do it? Um, Give us kind of that background and overview. Uh, Well, I I can tell you one of the reasons we do it is there is a hefty fine involved for hospitals Mm -hmm. if you don't do it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I would like to think, and I'm pretty darn sure, that we would do it if there was not a fine. Right. Um, When the federal government implemented it, that was just kind of the stick that they held out there for hospitals to say it's not optional. Right. You have to do this. So uh, every three years, we're tasked with doing what's called a community health needs assessment. And it's a very actually prescribed process from the federal government. They they give you basically a roadmap and say, mm-hmm. follow this. Um, but there are, there are nuances to it. Every community's done it differently. I've looked on numerous hospital websites and seen a lot of different variations, mm-hmm. despite the fact that we're all prescribed to do the same 10 things. Um, but there are different ways to do it, and there are different ways to go about it. I think um, – I like to think that we've done a very good job with it here um, in that one of the pieces – there's actually two pieces that you do before you make your priority list of what you're going to do. You collect data. Mm-hmm. So you collect primary data and secondary data. And the primary data that you want to collect on is is what does your community think. And so when I first started this process nine years ago – um, I got together with uh, a person who was a demographer in public health, and I sat down with our human services network here in Hillsdale, and which is a, a group of probably 20 to 25 different human services folks, um, government folks, school people. There, there's a lot of people that sit on this group, um, and they're a very wide swath of the community. So we're getting a lot of different points of view. And so we all kind of sat down and established what we thought would be a very broad-based community survey. And the first year we did that survey, we had about 950 responses. And if you know anything about statistics in a community of 47,000 people, which is about Hillsdale's population, about 400 to 450 surveys is considered sufficient. Uh, so we were double that number, which we thought was good. But the reason we were more comfortable with the 900 than the 450 is it's hard to get a broad spectrum of everybody between 50 and 70, everybody between 20 and 50, all those younger people that you want to get because you want to have input from a broad sector of your community. So when we went way over, we thought that was probably good because we were really getting that that broad-based input. And that was a big thing. And then the second second round, three years later, we had over a thousand surveys. Uh, last time we did it, we had about a thousand surveys. So we've been real good on, on establishing um, a rapport with the community and, and gathering that information about what they think. And I think you know, you collect all that background information from the census and all these data things, Michigan, state of Michigan, all those kinds of things, which is good information to have. It kind of gives you a picture of, of the landscape, but then you need to know what the people think. Right. What do the folks in your community think are the most important things? Because they may be completely different than what you're thinking at the beginning of the process. So um, you always want to go to the source and ask people what they think. You know, John, uh uh, so when I first took over, speaking to one of my uh, colleagues, CEO that runs a small hospital in Michigan, you know, like, oh, 
to get ready for that community needs us. What is community needs assessment stuff, man, I hate doing that. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, understandably that it's more work for someone and in mm-hmm. small rural hospitals, John, we know that usually we're carrying a lot of that workload. And so we're putting out the, you know, the documents and we're meeting with all these groups. So, but see, I, I looked at it the opposite. I, I think it's fascinating to know mm-hmm. what our community says. I really do. I think it's critical to know where do they see the services that are needed the most. Mm-hmm. And you and I both have looked at that data and we've driven a lot of our changes from some of that data. You know, mm-hmm. we talked early before you put this one out about what do you want to see? One of the questions you ask me is, you know, what, what do you want to test? Do you want to, I want to test OB. Where's OBGYN? You know, what are, what do our community think, uh, uh, members think about this? Um, what do they think about general surgery? And that gives us an opportunity to really gauge it as well. And then to hear from them, I think we've made some meaningful changes since 2012 when I started getting involved uh, with, with this. I know that you were here in 10, uh, and then I really didn't get involved with Duke until probably 12 in terms of looking at this data. Uh, and then my job was organizational development and community uh, engagement. And so then I had to take that information. But I think it's very meaningful. If it's used appropriately, I think it's it's truly can be an asset for community. So if you're listening today and you're a rural hospital uh, anywhere across America, you obviously have to participate. But you it may just be a function of someone doing it at your office and you don't know about it. I would encourage you, look at that data. It is, it's data that you can mine and use for building your hospital. I think it's very important. And, and I would also encourage you to start very early. Um, this is not going to be published until June of this year. Right. I started this process in July of 2021. You did, yeah. So you literally want to pace yourself over time so that you can put all those things in place that need to happen. True. And then you can make those things happen as you go. Um, Big part of it, obviously, being the survey, collecting the data, analyzing the data, and then making meaningful processes out of that and decisions about how you're going to prioritize it. I think the other key piece to this is if if you don't gather that data from your community, you make those decisions within the four walls of the hospital. And while we got a lot of really smart people that work (laughs) in this hospital, we all know what we know. Mm -hmm. And we all know what we think is important within our four walls. But the community might have a completely different take on some of the things that we think are critical, they might think, you know, that's critical for me once in a lifetime, but it's not critical for me every month. It's a good point. This is critical for me every month. So those are the kinds of things you want to learn from this kind of a survey. Well, John, the other important aspect of this is that we're not doing this in a vacuum. You know, we have to be collaborative on this process with our community partners. You know, so how do we engage them in this process, knowing that everyone's busy Everyone has, you know, they're dealing with their own challenges and especially in light of you've never done this during a pandemic. Um, So, you know, how do you engage them and what's the return on their investment? Well, we've never done it in a pandemic. That's uh, absolutely true. So now we're doing it over the computer screen, which which is fine because, um, as I said, the Human Services Network, which is a a great collection of of a broad base of folks across the Hillsdale County, Um, They're still meeting virtually, and they've been meeting virtually just about every month, even since the pandemic started. Once we moved to the virtual platform, everybody got pretty comfortable with it, and and it it goes pretty smoothly. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been engaging those folks since the beginning. Um, I engaged a contracted person who helped us put the survey together and also collects a lot of the the baseline data that we're using as, as background information. Um, and as I said, um, she's um, an extra demographer from public health, so she's 
she's really in tune with you know how surveys are developed and what kind of data you you can collect and and how you can phrase questions to get the kinds of things that you want to know. Mm-hmm. So that was a critical piece. And then the Human Services Network is uh, critically involved, especially after the data is collected, because we put the data all together and then we analyze it, but then we present it to them and that let them analyze it. Because, again, the, the demographer and myself kind of set that data up in, in tables and say, here's what we're finding. And then those folks look at it with a different eye, um, and they look at it and go, well, this is what we see. So at the end of the process, that's that's where things really kind of come together. Uh, we have a, a morning-long meeting with them in the spring after all the data is collected and analyzed and tabulated, and then they develop a priority list. Yep. Now, they don't just develop it in a vacuum either. I actually attend that meeting, but mm-hmm. I try to kind of sit in the background and let them talk. Which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll they'll say, well, I think we should do this or I think we should do that. And there are some times where I've actually had to step in and say, you know, I don't disagree with you, but that's not something that the hospital can probably do or move the needle on. Mm-hmm. So um, because they're looking at it from yeah. the from the selfish perspective of what's best for our entire community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> when I say selfish perspective, that's because that's their perspective. I'm looking right. at it from what can the hospital do. So um, at, a, at a certain point, we come to a meeting of the minds, we develop a list, and then that list goes to the board. The hospital board it takes does. a look at it that does. list and yeah. they say either we agree or disagree with that. And we develop some strategies as to how we would do things. We set it in front of the board and we say... These are the things that the community thinks are important. These are the kinds of strategies they think we should be employing. And then the board votes up or down. Yeah. And I can honestly say I cannot remember after we developed the list and the processes that we would undertake to do them, I can't remember our board ever saying no to anything. You know, John, I want to bring up a point because I don't want to glaze over an important fact that you brought up. Uh, When you say you're meeting with the Human Service Network, uh, you know, I think it's important to talk about this isn't just like a group of people getting together for a cup of coffee. When we talk about HSN, we're talking about representatives from the Ministerial Association, yep. representatives from the superintendents of schools, yes. representations from uh, Department of Health and Human Services, county government, county government, state government. Everybody's coming to nonprofits. This. And so I think that's a huge, uh, a huge point to make because it's a collaborative discussion of. Sometimes I remember being on those committees, 20 people, 25 people would show sure. up. And uh, it's really important to hear their perspective as well. They're the ones delivering the services on their end as well. It may be domestic harmony. It may be you know food services or community action agency. Salvation Army. Salvation Army. Yeah. The list goes on. But to, to get everybody in a room, I think that is the most important part of the process, in my opinion, as we look at it. And then you develop the questions that then are sent out to the community. But I think the steering committee is really an important aspect of it. Yeah, and I think in my experience, the um, the when I worked in healthcare prior to my little gap between coming back into healthcare when I started at Hillsdale Hospital, the rural hospital I worked at there, it was part of a system. So the community health needs assessment process was, um, you know, somewhat directed by the local hospitals, and so I did that there. But we also had a lot of support at the system level, so I didn't do near as much work as I know you do on this, John. Um, but it seemed to me like one of the one of the things that came out often in the community health needs assessment was a better understanding of some of the issues that are not typically thought of as necessarily health needs, but that have a major impact on someone's ability to improve their health or maintain their health. So, you know, chronic conditions 
was usually something that would come up in the process and and chronic conditions not being managed would be an issue. But then digging into why are those not being managed? Well, transportation is a huge issue and people aren't getting to the doctors often they need to because they can't. And, um, you know, I think that was where the perspective of other folks in the community also came in because a lot of times at the hospital we're thinking about what are the acute health needs of our community and not looking at some of those bigger, um, you know, holistic type of issues and environmental factors and things like that, that this makes sure that we have a, a good perspective on that that's not just what do we hear and see and think about with our patients once they're at a point where they get to us and are getting their care. Um, so with that, after that process, so you go through, you collect all the data, you do the analysis, you meet with the Human Services Network, you show it to our board, it all gets approved. What do we do next? Once the report's completed, um, you know, we have, there's a lot of planning and report making that happens in the world. Um, and obviously, we don't want that to sit on the shelf and collect dust. So how do we move that forward based on the strategies that are in there? Uh, that's a great question, and it's, it's actually somewhat prescribed in the process um, that came to us from the federal government in that once once you get that, I guess, laundry list, for lack of a better term, of, of things that have been recommended, um, you then have to develop action plans mm -hmm. um, and say, you know, they told us they wanted us to do this, so here are the folks that we're going to have in the room to make this kind of a decision because – all of those decisions will then have stakeholders going forward. So if they say it's something in the area of, of OB or something like that, we're probably going to want to get an obstetrician or a gynecologist or somebody in the room, uh, along with maybe some of their staff, along with maybe some of the stakeholders, um, and also some folks from the human service side who know what services are available, where the gaps in services are. Um, so that we can develop action plans moving forward because mm -hmm. every single recommendation that comes out that gets approved by the board for action then needs an action plan to go with it. And while that sounds simple, um, that's a fairly extensive process in its own right. Um, that's why you get three years to do that. Right. Um, probably in six months of the first year, you're going to be developing those action plans, talking to your stakeholders and finding out what kinds of things are we going to do? What are we going to try to do? What can't we do? Um, you need to know all of those things going forward um, and then putting them in place and seeing how they work. You know, John, one of the things that, you know, we have to talk about is actionable plans. So we do this you know, and we get together and we push this out. I want to ask you, can you give an example of health outcomes that we have seen as a result of this survey-informed actions uh, and initiatives? Can, can you give us anything that we can sink our teeth into as an example for others? Well, I can give you a couple. One is um, we saw a, a big need and a big gap in mammograms. Um, you know, everybody thinks, oh, yeah, everybody gets those. But when you, when you start looking at the data, well, not everybody gets those, but ladies, you get those, and you know how often you're supposed to get them, and your, your doctor nags you about them. Um, but we were finding that uh, just a lot of people were not availing themselves of those, despite the fact that they, they knew they were important, um, they knew they were preventive. Um, but there was a big gap there. There was, there was a big I guess, information gap there in that we didn't realize there were that many people living amongst us uh, who should have been getting a mammogram who weren't. Um, so um, we started with some initiatives about offering low-cost or no-cost mammograms once a month. Um, we saw a huge uptick in service there, and I think that's 
a fantastic thing that happened mm-hmm. in our last mm-hmm. one. Um, but that's a, that's a way of saying or, or a way of, of learning from the community, hey, we know this is important, but this isn't something that we're actually doing. So what do we need to do differently or what can the hospital do to help us with that? And, and that was a great learning opportunity. Um, on the flip side of that, we had um, one of the recommendations that came out of the, of the needs assessment, I believe it was two cycles ago, was we need better um, transportation. We have a lot of problems in this county with transportation. We have a bus service, but it only works in Hillsdale. We don't have anything outside of that. And we have a lot of folks, we have a lot of seniors in this county who are transportationally challenged, if mm-hmm. there's such a term. Um, but they literally can't get places. They can't get places frequently. And so they're missing out on a lot of things. And one of one of the um, things that the uh, HSN suggested to us two cycles ago was we needed to help try to get a countywide transportation system for health care. And so um, we worked with several constituency groups on this. We've had a lot of meetings. And we literally have not been able to move the needle on this. And JJ, you and I have talked yes, about have. this numerous mm-hmm. times. Numerous times. Um, we tried to get federal funding for this. We, we tried to get state we funding did. for this. Um, they wanted to set up a consortium for the entire county so that we could get something going that way. And we've just never really been able to move the needle on that. There are a lot of funding sources out there, but there's just nothing that will really just kind of grab onto it and fix it. Mm -hmm. And there aren't enough people with enough resources within the county who can establish it and keep it going long term. Right. So that's a big problem, and it's still a big unsolved problem. It is. Well, John, believe it or not, our time is upon us, and we're going to have to conclude for today. But I, I want to commend you for the hard work that you've done nearly 11 years. We started uh, in May. I started in May. You started in June, right? I started in June. In June of 2010, and uh, it came a month after I did. We were in orientation together. Uh, and, and then who, you stole my and office. And then I did steal yeah, your you office. I do apologize. <laughs> That's all right. That. But you ended up with a nicer I've gotten one. I've over uh, it. You did. Um, I can tell. <laughs> you really have. <laughs> so I the, haven't forgotten. Yeah, no. The, <laughs> the opportunity, though, that you know, we have before us is in surveying our community, you know, is to get direct feedback from them, solicit their their feedback, their information, their concerns, their wishes, their hopes. I mean, those are all important things. And so um, I would encourage if our listeners in Hillsdale are uh, contemplating, you know, well, how do I do that? Um, you know, John, how, what's their next steps for this process? If they'd like to be involved in the survey, uh, they can take the survey online Um, It's posted on our website. It's also posted on, I want to say, seven or eight of the uh, Human Service Network's folks out there. Um, They all have posted it on their website, including the health department. The senior center also reached out to me saying that they had somebody who was going to help folks who come into the senior center um, who would like to be involved to take the survey right there. So they have a computer and they will walk them through it online. Or I sent them about 100 hard copies, and they can literally go through it with pen and paper and sit down, and they'll help them take it that way. Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, John, it's always great to have you on the program. I know it's been quite a while. Uh, Hope to have you back again on Rural Health Rising. But thank you for your commitment, Uh, and I'm going to say your steadfast commitment to ensuring high quality. Um, it's, It's hard. You know, small rural hospitals get a black eye. 
you know, there's a biblical phrase that says a prophet's without honor in his own country. Uh, and if you think about that, if you go to another community hospital and you've been to them, they badmouth their community hospital. Oh, I wouldn't go there. You know, it's it's what we have to face. And so it can be overwhelming and challenging at times. But I think what speaks volumes is the fact that, you know, we've assured high quality, low cost, great care for our patients. And you're the, you're the driver for that for us. And I want to thank you for it. So uh, thanks for your participation today on Rural Health Rising. Thanks for having me. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest, so be sure to tune in. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, John Robertson, Chief Quality Information and Technology Officer for Hillsdale Hospital. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit RuralHealthRising.com. I was milking the cow this morning. A fly went around its ear and... Doomp! Went right out into the bucket as I was milking it. A fly can go in one ear and out the other. No, <laughs> Come on, people. I knew it was coming. <laughs> but I'm, I was waiting for the jump rope joke because I think that might Come be on, that your was, favorite. That was good. Yeah, I think I've heard that one before.